0: Hey, it's Tom Hartridge again, and I wanted to cut in to thank you for tuning in to Neurons to Nirvana. We are so grateful for your support and for joining us on this journey of exploring the intersection of consciousness and creativity. I'm also thankful for your support in tuning in each week. Producing a high-quality podcast takes time, effort, and resources. From booking knowledgeable and engaging guests to editing and distributing each episode, there are many costs associated with bringing you the best content possible. That's where you come in. By donating to the Neuron to Nirvana Buy Me a Coffee page, you can help us continue growing our audience, booking great guests, and covering production costs. Every little bit helps, and we truly appreciate your support. Not only will your donation help us improve the podcast, but it will also give us the resources to continue regularly bringing you thought-provoking and informative content. If you enjoy the show and want to see it thrive, we encourage you to visit the Neurons to Nirvana Buy Me a Coffee page listed in the show notes below and consider donating. Your support means the world to us, and we can't thank you enough for your generosity. Thank you for listening and for your support of Neurons to Nirvana.
1: All of us have some level of trauma that we've experienced. I feel like people hear the word trauma and they get very confused or they think or they become defensive and it's like, oh, that didn't happen to me. You know, I had a great upbringing, I had a great life. And I'm sure you had a a great life, but it doesn't, you know, exclude the fact that you probably experienced a great deal of trauma as well. And so you've got a lot of people experience prolonged trauma, developmental trauma, a lot of little t traumas over a prolonged period of time. So there's a lot of trauma that we've all carried and experienced. It's not just those big T traumas where it's like, you know, this horrific incident that occurred and it occurred rapidly in a way that you just can't possibly process and put all the pieces together, which is why we need that therapeutic process for trauma resolution.
0: Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms, from inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. In this episode from my hometown of Savannah, Georgia, Andrea Epting continues to foster and emphasize the importance of community for successful mental health treatment. She founded up Heads Up Guidance Services, Inc., also known as HUGS in 2009 to serve the greater Savannah area. HUGS makes mental health and addiction recovery services affordable and available to all motivated individuals, utilizing over 30 volunteer clinicians who specialize in the treatment for all the various demographics and diagnoses in the greater Savannah area. With 19 years of experience in the field of mental health, Andrea is a practicing professional counselor, master addiction counselor, EMDR certified therapist, certified sex therapist, certified sex addiction therapist, and an approved clinical supervisor. Join me in a dynamic and somewhat confessional conversation as Andrea shares her clinical and professional insights into the relationship of dopamine on addiction and recovery. Learn more about Andrea and how to prioritize one's mental health for a positive impact at Direct Impact Media. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to know Andrea and her wonderful organization, Hugs. Andrea, hey, how are you today?
1: Fun, how are you? Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a real pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm super excited that you're on. Uh, So my listeners and technically your listeners, what I don't I don't think you know this, but uh, you and I both launched our podcast in October of
1: 2021. Wow. Oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah. I was October fifteenth, just a couple of weeks ahead of you. You were the thirty, Halloween, I think. Yeah, was it was Halloween.
1: I remember that. I remember it being Halloween, and I remember having to remind yeah. myself, "I'm like, oh my gosh, the podcast launched today. It was so exciting."
0: <laughs> so obviously, I have an affinity because towards your organization, you have a wonderful nonprofit out of Savannah. Called Hugs. Do you mind sharing with the audience what Hugs the acronym stands for?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, Hugs stands for Heads Up Guidance Services, and um, Hugs is a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization that makes professional mental health and addiction recovery services affordable and available to all motivated individuals, couples, and families. And just love what we do. The way that we do it is what's so amazing. And we utilize professional clinical volunteers who donate their time pro bono to give back to their community. We also spend a lot of our time um, providing supervision and direction for young professionals trying to get licensed in the field. So we're making things available for both clients and professionals and just loving every second of it.
0: So we're both from Savannah, obviously, as I stated, but uh, what is the importance for you starting this organization back, I read, in 2009 Mm -hmm. in your hometown? In your opinion, what's the importance of community mental health and where have we fallen short in the Mm -hmm. past and currently in the mental health space?
1: Yeah, and so I feel like mental health has a space across the board in all different spectrums and all different levels of care. So I'll just kind of like tell you how how my wheels started turning. Um, so when I was in the field, I just noticed this like revolving door and it felt like it was almost on purpose that we were getting people just well enough to relapse and have to start from scratch. And frankly, that pissed me off um, because I'm in the field yeah. to, you know, help people and to lead them to recovery and restoration. And it just really felt like it was the system was set up to fail people. And then also noticing kind of like what happened when you monetized mental health. And it was like, it became about money and it became about how many services you were providing and not about the quality, not about the care, not even about the outcomes. And so those two things, like I said, just pissed me off. And I was like, well, I'm going to do something different because I'm a firm believer that you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. You've got a choice. And I wanted to come up with some solution. And everybody thought that I was crazy, lost my mind, like this has never been done before. And there's just no way (laughs) that you're going to utilize volunteers and run this successful practice where people show up consistently and provide, you know, quality care. And but you know what? It's happened. And we work with about, you know, roughly 25 to 30 professionals making it happen every single day and so we're not monetizing things but what we are doing is making sure that people do have skin in the game you know that's backed by research statistics will show you that when people have some skin in the game they're going to really reap the rewards because they're investing in their mental health journey and so what we do charge is 25 dollars, and we use that 25 dollars to keep our lights on and our doors open And it also, you know, really helps people to understand the importance of investing in their long-term mental health and that journey. Um, It's not a three-session-and-you're-done type of situation. Um, And so we want to make sure that everybody who is interested in prioritizing their mental health can afford to do so because, like I said, it's not a one-and-done situation. And so at $25, you really can fund your mental health journey, and make that a priority and afford it. So, you know, that that was really kind of like where it started. It was like, okay, these are the things that are pissing me off. These are the things I don't feel comfortable being a part of. This is a potential solution, yeah. and it worked. And we save the taxpayer millions in the process, <laughs> and people are funding their own programs and really being empowered. Yeah, it's good.
0: And then you have a wonderful podcast called Direct Impact. Yeah. When did you decide... And it's great. It's a little bit shorter than mine. And I mean, I try not to have like Rogan uh, marathons, Joe Rogan marathons. He goes on for like five hours. But <laughs> what I love about yours is it ranges anywhere between 15, 30 minutes, and you provide like great, wonderful nuggets of knowledge. What decided, wh- what provoked you into starting Direct Impact, the podcast?
1: Yeah, so we have um, an organization called Lightning in a Bottle, and Lightning in a Bottle is what powers the Direct Impact Podcast, and we focus on digital courses all in the realm of psychology and mental health and recovery, and we have coaching, and we have a community. And the Direct Impact podcast is part of that. And I love that you said it's just like, it's this nugget, right? It's this great nugget. And we can Mm -hmm. find probably about three good nuggets that are going to fit into about a 15 to 20 minute segment. And it works for me because my ADHD brain, it is. It's like lightning in a bottle. (laughs) Okay, It's like, here's the lightning, grab it, harness it. Let's make it work because, you know, after an hour, I'm out of here. My brain is... (laughs)
0: Off. <laughs> I also have ADHD, and I always say that on my good days, on, in, the, in my best interviews, that uh, it's lightning in a bottle when I can just capture the moment and the conversation in an organic way. And, I mean, stylistically, I'm not a journalist, and uh, my main thing is to bring mental health options for people who are... I say this all the time that uh, particularly since COVID, mental health has become an epidemic in itself, and it's exacerbated. It was always there, right? We've had issues. Savannah's a big drinking town. Um, my family, we have the gene uh, for drinking and um, the affinity, and have been drawn to that. I, I, I can't say that I'm an alcoholic, but because of things and loved ones in my family, I decided about a month ago to uh, have a dry, well, I I did it. My mom passed away two years ago, and um, the holidays are very tough for me. So drinking eggnog or anything with alcohol in it was going to make things worse for me. And I'm a very, (laughs) I wear my emotions on my sleeve, so I thought I'd give it a whirl. And, uh, I haven't shared this with my audience, but now I have a day job, I'm in legal software sales. Um, and I have to think that I crushed my interview because it was like the day after Christmas, and I think it was because I wasn't drinking. <laughs>
1: Seriously, seriously. So um, I call that like sober curious. <laughs> and I was yeah, yeah. sober curious about, you know, a over two years ago myself, especially since working in the field of addiction recovery and just like watching my clients, you know, move into this new way of living and experiencing the world around them. And I was like, gosh, you know, I might not be a problem drinker and I don't have a family history of alcoholism or addiction, but guess what? I have stopped drinking and it has made such a difference in the way that I show up to the world, to my work, to my clients, to my family. I mean, like, and so I just wonder, like, why would I ever go back to that? I mean, it might not have been a problem that I knew, but it it was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me personally, um, I'm not a morning person. I'm a night owl. And I, I do a lot of my creative content at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say most of my most successful sales have been after lunch. And maybe it was because I was going to McDonald's. <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm definitely not hitting the snooze button anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. since I stopped. And uh, it's... I feel my brain is just a lot more lucid now. The one thing I will, and I wanted to talk to you about because you've you brought it up several times on your podcast. Um, I'm not ashamed, but on and off, I've been dopamine because I have an ADHD brain like yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Dopamine is something that I like have this immense thirst for. So nicotine is mm-hmm. that's my like quote unquote heroin. I mean, I've been. I was smoking cigarettes when I was 15 to be cool. And then once I went to the University of Georgia, it was to fit in or look cool. Uh, now I don't smoke cigarettes. I can't stand the smell of them. I do like cigars uh, like on the golf course. But um, when I'm super stressed out, I still vape, and I fucking can't stand it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse mm-hmm. my French. Mm-hmm. What is it about the ADHD brain that causes... People that have that type of uh, neurological wiring to be drawn towards dopamine. For instance, I'll throw myself under the bus mm-hmm. again. When my father died of cancer seven years ago, sex was not an addiction, but it was a purely like crutch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, what do you th- what, what causes this for us?
1: So you know. Your neurodivergent or your atypical brain, it might be, um, you know, everything's on a spectrum, honestly, whether the DSM sure, says so or not. <laughs> so, yeah, um, So ADHD as well is really on a spectrum. And so if you have some type of processing disorder or um, neurodiversity like ADHD, you're going to have a dopamine deficiency. And that does not have to be a horrible thing, but it does make us predisposed to addiction. Okay. Our brains are different. They work differently. They work beautifully and they can do all kinds of things that neurotypical brains cannot do. We can (laughs) hyperfocus, which is actually why we get pissed off when people interrupt us when we're in our flow. (laughs) Right. So like we can hyperfocus, we can think abstractly it doesn't have to be linear there's all types of things that we can do and entrepreneurs usually do have that type of brain it um yes it allows them to think creatively and and you know kind of like have that vision and implement that vision in a unique out-of-the-box way. So great brain, but yes, hardwired for the disease of addiction. And it is because of the dopamine deficiency and any mood-altering chemical or mood-altering behavior is going to create dopamine and that dopamine becomes addictive to us. So, um, so mine, yeah, mood altering chemicals are like you're talking about the alcohol, the tobacco. Yes. um, pornography is another yeah. big one. Shopping is another big one. But
0: cocaine is dopamine driven. Cocaine, cocaine,
1: Adderall, all of that, you know, Adderall is just poor man's Coke. So absolutely. Um, Depends (laughs) on how you want to ingest it and how much of it. But um, absolutely, like those are chemicals that are mood altering that create dopamine. And then the behaviors as well um, create that dopamine. So again, it's just something to be cognizant of. Be mindful of whether you have a genetic predisposition or not. I mean, I'm ADHD, so I mean, I know I'm hardwired to some degree. Yeah. So it's just yeah. something to be, you know, aware of. Mm-hmm. But I, I like what you mentioned earlier, too, because it's not just about the wiring, it's also about understanding those triggers. So there are certain times and situations where you're going to be like, oh, I want that cigar because you just smelt the grass and you just got in the golf cart. Yeah. And guess what? You make the yeah, yeah. And that dope that The dopamine hits when you smell the grass. So since you already got that hit of dopamine, the only thing next is to add the chemical. And so that's what happens when we're hungry, when we're angry, when we're lonely, when we're tired, when we're sick, um, when we're around familiar people, people, places, or things. Dopamine, we get a hit of it, and that's not enough. So we go towards the behavior. To get more,
0: so I also read and saw, and you're a licensed uh sex therapist as well. Is all right Yeah, I'm a licensed
1: sex so, therapist and a
0: licensed sex addictions therapist. So let's let's uh further expand this. Um, when my dad died, mm-hmm. uh, I had several lady friends mm-hmm. that was uh. Women are very compassionate, and they're wonderful shoulders to cry on. And I had, um, when my dad was dying and I wasn't helping my mom with hospice, I had a lot of female visitors. And so I was very open and honest about, uh, not by name per se, but the, I definitely said I have lady friends that are coming to see me, but... Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely—I'm not going to say it was a full-blown addiction, but it was definitely sex abuse or you know, sexual yeah. Uh, yeah. like dabbling in, in that. What what is it? Do you think that it was a tool for me at the time? Um, my mom passed away, also terminal illness, and I feel blessed that the second go around, the silver lining, and losing both my parents is—I didn't have that crutch. The second time. Mm-hmm. But what is it that we can like if somebody who is genetically prone to these dopamine seeking uh, addictions or uh, sort of you know dancing with the devil like Yeah, like how do we how does one who may be in my situation or uh have a full-blown addiction or like you talk about this on your podcast, but I'd love for you to share it with my listeners. Sure. How do we see these red flags and then address them?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. So it's not always going to happen when, you, when you're at a meeting, right? Right. Uh, whether it's AA or a, perhaps NA or a sexual addiction meeting, whatever. It doesn't matter. But like when you when you you talk about this, I listened to one of your most recent ones: entitlement. And being overly confident. Yeah. So if you're being overly confident, like whether it's my girlfriend or my own self, my own psyche being like, oh, you're kicking the ass. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not drinking. Well, that's me being stroking my ego a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. it could be six weeks from now during St. Mm-hmm. Patrick's Day or South by Southwest music festival like, oh, I can have a few beers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How do you recognize that and, and put something mentally or implement something, whether it's even in your notebook or journal, where yep. you don't tri- have that trigger and move towards it again?
1: So I'm a big believer in tools, but I'm even a bigger believer in sharpening your tools on a daily basis so that when you need them, you can they work. <laughs> so I think it's about, you know, learning your skills and them, practicing them daily. And I have a podcast on what I call Jedi Mind Tricks. And it walks through the mind tricks that you can kind of utilize (laughs) that really helps you to overcome entitlement and defense mechanisms of all types and overconfidence being one of them. And with overconfidence in particular, I like to use the word yet, you know, so like, you know, people will say things like, you know, they'll go to a meeting and then they'll be like, oh, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not, you know, drinking you know, a 40 out of a you know garbage bag or whatever. And then the trick is to then say yet, <laughs> instead of just the story's over. It's like, no, I'm not doing that yet. Um, if I continue in the behavior, I will, which is why I come to the meetings.
0: The biggest problem most people face when they decide it's time to turn their ship around is where the fuck do I start? It's daunting, I know. And each of us go through it. The answer that my good friend, Bo Bissett, also featured on episode 50, and every other person ahead of you have discovered is that it all starts with me, Bo, and more specifically, you. The answer to everything you need is staring you straight in the face each morning you get out of bed and brush your teeth. We forget about this because we don't like to look back. We see the reflection, but at one point or another, we all forget to look back and acknowledge the person that we actually see. It's easy to say, quote unquote, get motivated, get disciplined, put yourself first, love yourself. But how the hell do you do all that? The answer is a cliche, I know, but by baby steps. And Bo went back and traced his journey from square one. You also need to go through the experience yourself. But how would he create that experience for you? Well, the 26 Days, 26 Ways experience is a daily email course that takes you through the steps to get yourself out of whatever hole you may be in and into a position of control. It's a program with a design to give you daily wins, improvements, and strategies to move the needle just a little each day. So at the end of the experience, you can build on measurable and meaningful changes. The 26 Days, 26 Ways experience is about creating a foundation you can use to find yourself, love yourself, and grow into the person that you know you can actually become. This experience of Bose uses a strict love approach with harsh language and accountability built into every day's challenge. Like life, this experience will make you laugh, cry, and even cringe. It will make you uncomfortable. It will push you to see things and do things differently. It will force you to examine items in your life that you never even thought about. And that's where the changes actually happen, right? How much does this experience cost? The 26 days experience is only $69. Enough to get you invested in your journey and help you realize at the end of the day, laughter is the best medicine, along with music, of course. If you're happy or complaining about your circumstances, do not sign up for Bo's experience. If you're ready to make small changes every day for the next 26 days that lead to big aha or profound moments by the end, click the link in my show notes description or visit the Amoni website, www.amoneeclear.com to find out more. Now, back to the main attraction. It makes total sense. So I'm I'm not going to say who, but somebody who I hold dearly in my heart um, had a... um, alcohol issue, and um, I would go to meetings with them when I was uh, in high school. And there were people in the room saying, my name's Todd. I'm here. And I would just like to say I'm so grateful that I didn't have to wake up in a trash can and stick a needle in my arm. Well, this person would hear these things and think, well, I'm just drinking red wine or a little bit of vodka. Right. And they never they never met the road to recovery fully, this person I loved dearly. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah. it ended up not working.
1: Because in early recovery, we're so vulnerable to, um, yes, overconfidence, but minimizing and rationalizing and denial and all of those things, yep. you know, Get us off track and it keeps us from like long term recovery.
0: (laughs) Right. You specialize in trauma resolution, process addiction, and overcoming body betrayal. Can you talk about the relationship between trauma and addiction and how betrayal, whether it be trauma, body intimacy, or being a caregiver, shapes this relationship?
1: Yeah. So betrayal is a trauma big time. And we experience a lot of different betrayals throughout our life. Um, And all of us have some level of trauma that we've experienced. I feel like people hear the word trauma and they get very confused Um, or they think, or they become defensive. And it's like, Oh, that didn't happen to me. You know, I had a great upbringing, I had a great life and I'm sure you had, you know, a great life, but it doesn't, you know, exclude the fact that you probably experienced a great deal of trauma as well, and so you've got a lot of people experience prolonged trauma, developmental trauma, a lot of little t traumas over a prolonged period of time. So they have um, traumatic stress, and um, or post traumatic stress disorder. Um, complex PTSD is another way to put that. So there's a lot of trauma that we've all carried and experienced. It's not just those big T traumas where it's like, you know, this horrific incident that occurred and it occurred rapidly in a way that you just can't possibly process and put all the pieces together. So you have, actually like little splits in your neurological networks so they don't align to make a whole story. Everything's not being processed entirely, which is why we need that therapeutic process for trauma resolution. And so for a lot of my clients, they have endured developmental trauma and that led to some type of disease that led to a disease of addiction in some form. And then for a lot of my other clients, they experienced significant betrayal trauma because their partner or their loved one was the active addict. And because they were in a relationship together, they were injured consistently and they endured that level of trauma. And so I work with couples Um, Oftentimes, because I'm a sex addictions therapist, I'm working with somebody who is in an early recovery process from sexual addiction and compulsivity, and their partner is in early recovery from all of that betrayal trauma. Sometimes they have a history of betrayal, and this isn't the first betrayal or the first relationship they've experienced betrayal in. Um, Sometimes they grew up in a dysfunctional family system, so they have codependency that kind of set them up for betrayal in their future. So a lot of this goes together, and we already talked about dopamine deficiency. And when you come up and you have developmental trauma, you're going to have dopamine deficiency. Sets you up for chemical dependency or behavioral addictions and betrayal, Um, is going to happen in the relationships that you do establish. So all of this is just so important. It's so important for us to understand, to wrap our brains around, to have a respect for that this happens um, and not with any intent for this to happen. You know, like none of us wake up in the morning and think, hmm, you know, I would like to go sexually act out in a massage parlor today and not give a crap how much. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> like no,
0: maybe Nobody's maybe like solo. really, I
1: mean- you know, thinking like, about the negative consequences and the impact that it's going to have on them, their family, their children, and their partners. They're they're not. Um, And so it it takes um, a lot of work um, to repair relationships. And what that really looks like is two people going into their separate version of recovery and seeing if they can come back together to mend the relationship.
0: So uh, he's now become a very good friend of mine. But um, I went. I talk, I've talked about this also several times in my podcast. But uh, I've been battling depression and anxiety since I was a teenager. And when my father died of cancer, who was my best friend, well entrenched in the Savannah community, um, I, he I looked up to him. He was my best friend. Uh, but when I was at a retreat um, for ayahuasca, my friend, it was sort of like I, through the help of my recognition and seeing what was going on. What are your thoughts? He was telling me about his life and uh, his parents were both married. They were married. It seemed like a very well intact family nucleus, but what he didn't recognize and what I've picked up through conversation is there was a form of neglect because they were Mm -hmm. both, both his mom and dad were workaholics and just, he was basically raised by a a nanny. And um, I said, you know, Uh neglect is a form of abuse as well. And it was like Eureka. Holy shit. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: How often do you see your clients uh, have that type of form of uh, abuse, neglect? It doesn't have to be physical. It's just lack of not being around for those very formative years in one's life. Because we all, our personality and who we are essentially is formed by the time we're seven, as you well know, I'm sure. Uh And uh, so these, these, really early on these years in your life, they affect you for the rest of your life. Uh Do you have Uh many people who have that type of, of neglect?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like neglect is one of the most common forms of abuse. And, you know, it's because it's so confusing. It is so confusing and you don't know how to get your needs met on your own. And so when you don't have a parent or a major caregiver who is attuning to you, which means they hear you, they see you, they care for you, they support you, um, they honor you in a sense. So if there's not a consistent attunement going on there, there is neglect happening. And... You know, it's a part of developmental trauma, and it's also a part of betrayal trauma when you think about it. You know, those early childhood wounds, they turn into negative core beliefs, and those negative core beliefs start playing out every day of your life. And so for anybody to say, I don't have trauma, they don't understand trauma.
0: Um, well, we talked about neglect. What about some of your other the people that seek your services? Um, what are, We talked about betrayal, but what other forms of trauma are there out there? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, my clients have experienced developmental trauma, so complex PTSD, starting in, you know, through multiple relationships um, from the beginning of their first, you know, relationship with their major caregiver, you know, like some of them have endured um, physical trauma. A lot of them have endured sexual trauma. Um, betrayal, trauma, a lot of intimacy betrayal, and that doesn't have to just be with a sexual partner. Um, we have intimate relationships with our friends, with, um, you know, people who show up as like, not just caregivers, but show up in these like big roles in our lives, like mentors and things like that. I work with a lot of spiritual trauma. Um, some people call it church hurt. <laughs> um, but for a lot of people, it really is because they grew up in more of a cult like oh, yeah. mentality or community, um where it was about the collective instead of about individuality. Um, there are, you know, just a lot of different types of traumas that people present with, but, you know, I I wind up seeing people because that trauma unprocessed for a prolonged period of time has led to a disease and it could be anxiety. It could be depression, definitely post-traumatic stress disorder, but it could also be, and most likely is going to be some form of behavioral addiction or compulsivity that keeps showing up to keep them from meeting their potential.
0: Right. Absolutely. Uh, can you talk about, uh, your organization hugs. What are some of the exciting things you do? You have any events or yeah. opportunities for my listeners? Because probably twenty percent of my listeners are actually in the state of Georgia. Whether they're probably my friends from college in awesome. Savannah, but that being <laughs>
1: well, said, hey guys. <laughs>
0: yeah. That being said, yeah. I mean obviously my my audience has expanded. I, what I love seeing is I just got a review from a wonderful person. From a lady out of australia so i know it's international that being said who who may not be living in savannah how can they help donate or provide any sort of services to to help your hugs thrive, continue to thrive?
1: So we're always looking for friends of hugs, okay? So hugs always needs more friends. And we right. don't work with third-party payers. We don't work with insurance companies. We don't take government funding. So we need friends. <laughs> and so we ask people to become a friend at you know the rate of $25, which covers one session for a client. Um, and to do that you know, automatically to sign up for the $25 a month, to become a friend of hugs on our website and you just go to the donate button and the website is www.headsupsavannah.org.org so, heads up Savannah.org and donate today, become a friend of Hugs today. That would be awesome. I cannot tell you what um, Hugs is doing in the community and how many amazing groups it's offering, how many clients we're serving. We're serving around, you know, 100 people a week. <laughs> um, and that's just huge. And most of our clients, you know, stay for around two to two and a half years. Um, and so, we're just doing amazing things and we're doing it in a way that nobody else ever thought about doing. So we'd also love to bring a hugs to you at some point. (laughs) So um, there's also a www.headsupnation. Okay. And so that is another website where you can kind of donate and that, and you can kind of allot that money for your area. And so like, if you're in Texas and you're like, hey, yeah, we need a hugs here. Like, why aren't we doing that? You know, the heads up. We nation. do
0: need a hugs. I mean, there's not one. Who doesn't? Do you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, and Austin is such a wonderfully progressive town. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be second nature for the community to pick up and 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 uh, continue your vision and yeah. with your organization in the area.
1: We're looking to do two satellite offices in the next year or so, um, of course, pending the funding, but we're looking to move into Brunswick and Bluffton.
0: I I love both of them. Beautiful in the low country, Mm -hmm. but maybe we could get you out (laughs) to Texas at some point.
1: Hey, hey, you know, we believe in hugs. We believe in the mission and we believe in, you know, the way we go about meeting the need is just so creative and so important and know, it's amazing for future clinicians um, and also the clients. So, yeah, I mean, we would love to plant a seed of hugs anywhere um, we're funded to do so. (laughs)
0: Okay, excellent. Well, Andrea, I want to give you the uh, floor on anything else you might want to share before we wrap up.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I think I just, I really appreciate you having me on. I love and always welcome the opportunity to talk to more people about trauma, about trauma-initiated process addictions, about like, what is addiction? What is recovery? Um, What is trauma? You know, because there's just so much misinformation out there. And, um You know, and I just want to help make things clear. (laughs) And so if anybody has, you know, questions for me or they want to reach out to us, um, go to the www.lightninginabottle.biz and email us there. And I'm happy to answer any questions anybody has, or you can find us on Instagram. Just direct message us. Any questions you have in those areas, we're always happy to help.
0: That's excellent. Well, again, Andrea, thank you. I think I've really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I know my audience will find it very informative because I focus on mental health a a great bit, Uh, large amount of my time. And something that I hold dearly in my heart is to try to help people who suffer from any sort of form of mental health, whether it be depression, addiction, trauma, uh, the whole umbrella,
1: right? Because we're humans, right? And I'm so, I'm so grateful for people like you who are willing to share their lived experience because we're humans and, you know, all of us are going to endure. We're going to endure catastrophic things and storms and trauma and hurts and betrayals and like all of these things. And we just need to, I think, to know, you know, that there's a way out of it.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, Andrea, those of you who are listening, if you haven't heard uh, Direct Impact, check it out. It's got, like I said, wonderful nuggets of knowledge.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: So thanks again, Andrea.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening and for your support. Stay tuned. The next several weeks, I'll be featuring a number of wonderful musicians from the greater Austin area. Until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge, and you are listening to Neurons to Nirvana.